Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening, and especially if it's your first time listening, it's a good episode to start on because we have a great guest today. But first, as I mentioned last week, I was going to go over the homework assignment that I got from Lindsay Cat. I said that I was going to go to a psychic. For those of you who don't know, a couple of weeks ago, guest Lindsay Cat, phenomenal person and artist, gave me this assignment to go have an experience with something that I am not already associated with, and I decided to go to a psychic. And I found one that's actually just a couple of blocks away, so I went to her and... It was just a couple of bucks and it was like five minutes and she did what was called a face reading. And the first thing she said in the reading was that I could be two different people. I could be so mean yet so nice. And I think anyone who knows me knows that I'm not so mean. (laughs) But also that's kind of vague, right? Like that's one of those things that anyone could be. And then um, she was talking about my chakra four and I was like, all right, whatever. I don't know what that is. And um, she did say something that seemed a little bit more on point about how if I feel that someone is taking advantage of how nice I am, then I will I will push them out. That seems vague, too, but it is at least accurate about me. And I don't know, you know, it's just despite my reservations, I did walk out feeling and I thought this was interesting, feeling like it is possible to be able to read somebody and be accurate and just pick up on a vibe or a spiritual side of a person. I think it's possible. I don't know if I had that experience, but I'm glad that I went. Um, and I do think it was interesting that despite my reservations and, and even my reservations during it, that I walked out being a little bit more open to the idea than when I walked in. So that was the homework. Very thankful for Lindsay Cat giving me that homework. Very thankful for today's guest. His name is Nick Canellis. He is half of Trike, a fantastic duo out of the Magnet Theater. He's gotten write-ups from New York Times, Time Out, Splitsider.com, and it's a really incredible show because they're both incredible performers. There was something that I noticed today when I was doing a little research for the blog post, and I Googled Nick, and I had already Googled Nick, but today and today only... Google autofilled Jimmy Fallon's name in with Nick. So I looked it up, and it turns out he did this commercial back in 2013 that aired during Late Night with Jimmy Fallon that Lexus did. It was a live commercial where they got four improvisers from New York to improvise a commercial. And I watched it, and I totally remember that story. And I know I saw the commercial. So then I rewatched the commercial and went, holy crap, I totally saw this while watching Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. And it has Nick, it has Peter, his trike duo partner, and my level five instructor, Rick Andrews, former guest of There It Is, and my level one instructor, and Chet Siegel. These four people are four of my favorite improvisers, (laughs) and they all did this commercial together. And I don't mean favorite improvisers in Magnet or favorite improvisers in New York. I mean favorite improvisers in general. I really wish Google had autofilled that name before the interview when I was Googling him. I don't I want to talk to him about this commercial. It was also interesting because that commercial aired a couple of months after I started doing improv. So I just think it was interesting that this sort of came full circle in a way for me that now these people that I really admire were people that I saw at the beginning of my doing improv. That was interesting to me. Uh, This chat was really great. I really enjoyed it. I fanboy out a little bit. I think you can tell. It's still, though, an enjoyable one for me. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Nick Canellis. really appreciate you coming on. I think we've met once, but I've seen you perform. Thanks for having me. It was great to meet you that one time, too. Yeah, yeah. You were, just so uh, listeners know, 
That was because you were subbing in a class that I was in recently. You substitute taught that uh, improv class. Yeah, for Peter McNerney. Yeah, Peter's class. And it was like the first one, too. So it was just kind of interesting. <laughs> like That was how we started off with, uh, with the class was... Half of of trike still, but not the half we expected. Right. (laughs) (laughs) First, let's go back a little bit to your starting out doing improv. Your your training started when you were in college, correct? Yeah. And when I was there, I I did this group called the Titanic Players, Mm -hmm. um, where uh, Peter McNerney, who I do trike with now, Mm -hmm. was actually my coach at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he like he like capped me on the college improv team there. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. So I often say that like if, if improv were vampires, Peter would be like my maker. Like he turned me into a vampire. <laughs> that no, that makes complete sense. And uh, I think a lot of people would think that's an apropos analogy. <laughs> yeah. Improv vampires, same thing. No sleep. <laughs> Weird habits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seems kind of like a cult. Uh, this, in some yeah, people's exactly. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, A lot of yeah. stuff happening on Bourbon Street. You know, it's it, there's a lot yeah. of uh, comparisons. No, so how? So he was your coach at that time. He was not a member of that improv troupe. Right. He was. Uh, he was two years older, mm-hmm. uh, and um, the way that the it was kind of cool. The way that the the titanic players worked is it was created by this guy mike and delstad who um uh used to do stuff at io and second city and just really really brilliant guy mm-hmm. uh he sort of created this college improv uh network called one group mind or the titanic players where uh he would help coach like every team but then also would put an older student who had been on a team from earlier years in charge of a new team Oh, if that makes sense. I yeah. feel, okay. I feel like I was like, blah, blah, but yeah. No, it's an, it's uh, a new concept to me, but it makes sense. Like I just hadn't even thought of something like that being a thing. Like, uh, but I guess it's at a place like Northwestern, it's giving students an opportunity to coach before they graduate. So they can kind of hit the ground running and the community, the comedy community when they get out of school. Yeah, exactly. So it's great experience just right out the gate with, with doing that, with coaching and teaching. Mm, awesome. Did you all ever perform together in school? We did uh, another improv team together his senior year, my sophomore uh, year, mm-hmm. um, called Meow, which was sketch comedy in short form. Mm-hmm. So we'd, you know, on that team, we played a few short form games together, mm-hmm. uh, but no, not long form till I graduated a couple of years down the line. I imagine you did theater. Yeah, I was a theater major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so I imagine you were even doing that in high school. I did a lot of uh, speech and debate in high school mm-hmm. uh, through the National Forensic League. I'd do um, uh, like humorous interpretation where you take a 10 minute cutting of a book or a play mm-hmm. and then perform like all the characters. So it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't improv, but it, that was like theater related and definitely. Mm built on the character stuff. That's interesting that you had more of a speech and debate experience in high school and went on to be a theater major in college. Yeah. Uh, did, did you do any like speech and debate in high school at all? Or I had a, so I had a speech and debate class, but it was more focused very heavily on speech and not really debate at all. It wasn't like the structure that most high schools would be familiar with when it came to the debate part um yeah 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 i didn't really do much of the the debate element either it was more just the uh like humorous interpretation dramatic interpretation which Mm -hmm. is basically sort of like yeah yeah, some of that yeah it was like mostly the performative element so i was like oh theater that's like uh, same thing yeah (laughs) yeah so that's cool and and i bring that up in a sort of matter of fact way because it's pretty obvious seeing you perform that you have a theater background. <laughs> and, um, oh, thanks. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. I mean, you have a, a real presence on stage. And, and then also in New York, whenever I meet uh, an improviser who has a very strong presence on stage, they did theater from a yeah. young age. So I just wasn't surprised to hear that you <laughs> had done it as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> nice uh, to know that I... 
have a presence on a stage. Yeah. Yes. Great. Um, great. <laughs> and you've been doing <laughs> improv since for a long time as well. And um and I think that also shows in your stage presence and, and your shows with Trike. Um one of the things that I'd, I'm interested in knowing about just because of uh, my not knowing how improv was at Northwest, but kind of seeing it how it is at other schools, I'm, I'm curious as to what sort of approach it was at that time. Was it short form or were you doing long form? What were you doing at Northwestern? Um, so I did, I did two different groups. Uh, one was the Titanic players, mm-hmm. which I talked about more. And that was, that was long form uh, with a real emphasis on, sort of uh, the piece as a whole and making connections mm. between the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was the one group I was in that Peter uh, was like my coach and teacher for. And then I did another group called Meow, which was short form improv and sketch comedy. So that was all uh, games mm-hmm. and much more about kind of being punchy and mm-hmm. uh, staying on top of, you know, sort of what was going on at the school so we could kind of reference that stuff too. Um, so it was sort of like a double-sided sword, I feel like, at the time. Yeah, and you cut your teeth in a pretty serious way. One of the things I think has to be an advantage is that you had a coach because in a lot of cases, it's just people kind of knocking around, figuring it out on their own, and maybe one of them yeah. is like a de facto coach, but to have someone who's not a part of the group who has some experience as an improviser coaching you, uh, that, that has to yeah. add a, a good element to it as well. Oh, it's huge. It was great. And it also was so helpful if any, you know, sort of internal conflict started to arise to just mm-hmm. have somebody who's, you know, older, been through it and had an outside eye, just kind of step in and help to mediate that stuff, uh, mm-hmm. was incredible. Yeah. It mm-hmm. just made everything easier. I <laughs> recommend it. Have a coach. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, especially the, the when you're in college. I mean, that's such an impressionable time in your improv life. You don't want to get any bad habits oh sort of stuck. Yes. Yeah, and you don't you don't want everyone on your team to start dating each other and then, Oof. you know, like yeah, all that drama stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. One thing I'm interested about because, you know, since you have grown to be kind of synonymous with Peter McNerney since you do trike together, uh, and have done it for so long, but having started out your relationship with him as him being the upperclassman and your coach, uh, I'm interested to yeah. know when that evolved into being, you know, a contemporaries and performing together. Because I know I, if I was a freshman looking at an upperclassman who was coaching me, I would have been like, you know, he's so cool. You know, I would have, I totally would have fallen into that. And so then to become that person's partner uh, in a duo, like what, and I know it was, uh, a trio at one point, which we can get into, but I, I am wondering like, what was that experience like for you? Um, good question. Yeah. There's definitely, uh, still in, in my mind, some elements of like, Oh, you're the, like, you're so cool and awesome. And oh, like, you know, a little bit of a big brother element to that. Uh-huh. But there's also, I think, uh, I don't know. I just trust him completely and mm-hmm. uh, feel like, if I were to mess up anything in a scene, he'd be able to fix it. So it also makes me feel like, Oh, I can do whatever I want mm-hmm. because then, you know, he'd be there to, to catch me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So sort of, uh, trying to get myself into the, that mindset, mm-hmm. you know, early, early on when we started performing together, mm-hmm. uh, where I would try to think more like, Oh, I can do anything because then it's fine. I'll take care of it. And he'll think that it was a good thing that I did. Instead of, oh, I hope I don't mess this up. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, they're so good, I don't want to mess up what they're doing. Which yeah. I think uh, was very much my viewpoint in college when I would play with older people. I was like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. And then I'd always be like, oh, it was bad. What happened? It's like, oh, because I just didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was something that I heard <laughs> Lewis Cornfield talking about on the Magnet podcast uh, with, with Ed Herbstman about when he got to perform with Ed and some of the other, like, so to speak, upperclassmen, and uh, he yeah. was he was talking about that same thing of like, oh, I don't want to mess it up, and then he realized 
that they just wanted him to be decisive. It's not that they wanted him to just like come in and kill it with this strong choice. They just wanted him to make a choice, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, <laughs> and that, but that is a hump to get over when you start performing with people that you really admire and you look up to and they've been doing it longer. You do have to get over, you have that stage where you have to get over, oh, I don't want to mess up their thing because it's not their oh, thing. I, it's, it's our thing. Exactly. And it, as much as I tell myself that it still happens, you know, oh, yeah. if I, if I somebody I haven't played with <laughs> before, I, it's, it still might happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. it's, it's something, it's, it's certainly something else with, uh, uh, that sort of transition for you. And, and, uh, you know, now this many years later, it's, it's, uh, gotta be more old hat, but at the time, I, I just feel like if it were me, I would have been freaking out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not only was he the uh, upperclassman, but cause he was the coach. Right. Uh, I don't want to yeah. let coach down. Uh, yeah. And I think, I guess at, at that point, I mean, we, you know, we would hang out in college too. And I, I think doing the short form sketch comedy team together i i that helped with getting over some of those mm-hmm. uh fears of like playing with an upperclassman or whatever but um yeah def- like i think just by the time i moved here i was still overconfident probably from senior year of school but then i was like oh yeah of course sure i'll play with whoever great so then you graduate and uh do you move to new york immediately yeah pretty immediately just moved here, uh, signed up for class at uh, Magnet and UCB, and mm-hmm. just uh, tried to, you know, get rid of bed bugs. Got yeah. bed bugs and rats <laughs> and all the stuff that comes with New York. <laughs> yeah, that time period, especially of New York, where it was, I mean, it's still pretty dirty, and there's still going to be issues yeah. like that. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of, lot to deal with. I moved here a year ago. <laughs> like, I didn't have all oh, of the man. issues that you had to deal with. Oh, they're they're there. They're waiting. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, oh, we just got new bedding. Um, <laughs> we don't want these. Uh, um, get a bed bug cover if you don't have one. Get one. There. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Noted. There. Uh, I think everyone should have one. They're okay. they're terrifying. Yeah. No. They're they're uh, real life vampires. We talk about improvisers being like vampires. Bed bugs are like the. The true horror version of vampires. That that is a good point because they do live off your blood and they are very hard yep. to kill and so uh, hard to kill. And they probably don't like garlic, so you know might be safe there. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that I I why did I get the exterminator all those years ago? I could have just rubbed garlic all over myself. <laughs> I have a I have a question. Uh, this is something else I read in your your bio. And a lot of times you read an improviser's bio and there's something in there that's just kind of a joke. This is yeah. something that I didn't know about you. And uh, so it could be a joke, but it also makes complete sense. You mm. Do you work as a motion caption actor? I do, yeah. Or I said I motion, I, 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 <laughs> motion capture. Motion actor. capture, yeah, motion capture, yeah. Uh, or mocap, as, as we call it for short. Um yeah, I do it for, um, basically, th- before they'll make commercials, a lot of times they'll want to make animated versions for testing. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like watching a video game version of the commercial they're thinking about making. Oh, wow. The idea being, the idea being like, the timing is there, all the shots are there, they can uh, switch like how the people look for casting, switch some of the environments kind of quicker and for cheaper than reshooting an entire commercial and then they figure out okay would it be worth it to make this so uh so i do the the movements for those (laughs) wow i didn't know that was a thing i knew motion capture was for like cgi and movies and stuff like that animated movies but i didn't know it was uh even in the areas that you were just talking about yeah same technology just uh the movement's usually more like they try the Coke and then say, whoa, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's pretty weird. Yeah. One of the great things about you as a performer is your physicality and not just 
and I do want to talk about how you and Peter play together in a, like in a physical way, like in a physical comedic way, but also just the choices you make, like mannerisms and things like that. You're very strong at that. Does that come from being a motion capture actor or was that something that you started really training in when you were in college? That's a great question. Um, I weirdly want to say a lot of it comes from uh, wrestling. Mm. From when I was a kid, I I uh, was wrestling from like the age of two, mm-hmm. which is just super intense uh, as physically as far mm. as, you know, kind of what you put your body through. Because when it's like you and another person, it's just sort of like the whole the whole time your body's like, ah! So, <laughs> uh, so I feel like that's when I started getting pretty physical and, you know, just generally uh, aware of what my body was doing. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, my favorite thing that uh, I did in, in college theater was we did this unit where we had to observe animals and then play animals in the class. Oh, yeah. Um, and for me, that, that was just the most fun and uh, most kind of eye-opening thing about acting was to, to do these animals and then create mm. characters from there. Yeah. Uh, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then we did a lot of mimes in college as well. So those are kind of the yeah okay that that also again like I'm not super surprised to hear that because of how you are on stage physically like uh, like you really adapt to things particularly well um, and also the first time I saw you perform which was that was also I hadn't met you yet and I hadn't seen you in person yet uh, though I knew about you because I'd been here a little while um, but you were doing like an English accent, it was so authentic <laughs> that I thought, oh. oh, is that just his accent? I didn't know that. And But then you <laughs> also were characters where you weren't doing an English accent. And uh, so I was like, is he just that good at an American accent? Or is he American? And like by the end of the show, I was like, he's doing a London accent. He just sounds, just sounds really authentic. Because some people, when they do accents, they make it about accentuating a certain syllable in words. And it's like, technically mm-hmm. that's right, but it doesn't sound real. And you, on the other hand, there's a certain way, I don't know how to put words to it, that uh, you approach the accent in such a way it just feels like the way your mouth moves. You know, like it's, that's, that's so much <laughs> of accents or that. You know, it's not really accentuating certain syllables it's really about like how they hold their mouth or something and it seemed like you sort of (laughs) nailed that to make it feel more authentic um but i did find it pretty funny when you were in our our class when you're teaching us and you're just you sound the way you sound i was like gosh i there was a good 20 minutes i thought he was from london (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually doing an accent right now this this whole call yeah to make okay to make us feel comfortable, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> this is my real voice. <laughs> you are a vampire. Um, uh, yeah, health bomb. Yeah, health bomb vampire. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's advance time a little bit, and you start. Uh, you you go through curriculums at UCB and and Magnet, um, and I don't know. UCB, uh, I only went through. Uh, I only went through level three because um, I, I just I ran out of money and kind of had to pick a place. But oh, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. And I was actually going to ask, like, did you go through that whole curriculum? So you chose you, you chose to stay with Magnet. Um, and uh, did you just feel like it had uh, uh, suited who you were as a performer more? Or was it because Peter's involvement? Uh, I loved both places. I mm-hmm. uh, at the time um, I was already starting to perform at magnet. And so, uh, figured, Oh, I should, um, you know, finish up here. It seems like mm-hmm. I could get on stage, uh, which is, you know, what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, quicker. And then in UCB, it seemed like a little bit more of a, Oh, this is going to be kind of like a, you know, like three more classes. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you kind of got to meet a few people. It seems like, so I, yeah, just, uh, at the time it just made more sense, I think. Yeah. And, if somebody who was going to both theaters, as, as there are many, um, if they're trying to decide on one, th- if they come to that same place where they have to say, I've got to pick one place, what would you suggest yeah. that they go with? 
Like, let's say they're not performing at either yet. Oh, great. Uh, well, I think that you'd want to ask yourself first, you know, what do I want to get out of this? Is it that I really want to be on a house team and that's the be all end all is to be on a house team. Okay. Then be like, which place do I like to work the house teams do better? And, uh, where do I think I have more of a shot at being on a house team? If that's like mm-hmm. the one thing the person's thinking about, right. Uh, if they're thinking, you know, beyond that, as far as like, I have aspirations of being a, uh, famous actor or actress or a famous, you know, like, for whatever reason, famous person, I would then say they should ask, ask themselves like, okay, so where does it seem like I could make some connections to do that? And where could I sharpen the skills that I need to, uh, you know, develop the, uh, what I need to be able to actually do that as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then if what they're thinking about is like, okay, well, I'm looking for like a community. Like I want to find, uh, just, I want to find some friends and I want to find like a hobby that we can all like talk about together. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would recommend sort of like hanging out after shows a little bit at whatever theaters you're choosing between. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I think it just depends on what the person is looking for. If that right. makes, if that makes, yeah. 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 No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because there is, you know, there's different approaches and, you know, all the approaches are fine, but certain ones might suit you better. Yeah, I think I think sometimes the, you know, school environment can feel a little bit like this is a competition because we're all here to, like, meet somebody to make us famous or something like that, which can, I think, feel not as good and can get in the way of being able to take risks that help you grow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a student. Uh, and then I think, you know, other other school environments are more sort of like welcoming. It feels a little bit more like, oh, great, we're all in this together. And mm-hmm. some people are doing this because they're afraid of public speaking. And mm-hmm. some people are doing this uh, because they just want to get a little better at mine. And you know, whatever the mm-hmm. reason it is, uh, everybody's still just like a little bit more supportive at, at other places. So, right. Yeah, you know. No, that makes complete sense. So now in the timeline, you're at Magnet, and when does Trike start? As far as, like, what's the story of how did the show Trike happen? Right, yeah, right, because it's now okay. one of the big shows to go to. I mean, it's a very popular show. It's gotten a lot of write-ups, um, but I don't know exactly how. You guys just had your 10-year anniversary, but I don't know exactly yeah. how it started. It did start as a so, trio, though. It's Well, it actually, so originally... Uh, there was a, a four-person group called Statues of Liberty. Oh, okay. Uh, that was that uh, was four of us all from Northwestern. Who um, three of us moved here like at the same time, and mm-hmm. then we did that show uh, Fridays at eleven thirty for a while, and then uh, one member of that group had had to drop out, so the other three of us moved to Saturdays and did uh, did that show for a little bit, and then uh, and then Statues ended, and then. Strike started, which was me, Peter, and uh, um, a friend of ours, Leslie Crean, who's also doing a lot of improv at the Magnet. And then she moved to LA after about a year, and then we just kept it as a duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next year is when we do the Highlander thing, where we we have to cut one of each other's heads off, and there's <laughs> only one person left. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, uh, it was originally a, a trio, but then uh, Leslie moved to Los Angeles, and uh, we just kind of kept the name Trike and figured the, the audience was the the third part. Oh, cool. That's a long history there of performing together. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we also did <laughs> do uh, this company Story Pirates together, where we yeah. stories written by kids and put them into sketches and songs. But So we've done a lot of improv and sketch together. There as well, so yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of Peter McNerney time, a lot of, yeah. a lot of, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty yeah. uh, a big duo going right now, you yeah. know, like what you two are putting together. And um, so these shows, did they start to develop when it, especially when it came down to the two of you? At that point, did it start to develop? Uh, a certain voice or did you already have that voice? Did you two have to actually sit and have a conversation about how you wanted to approach doing this kind of show, what the voice of trike was or, or conversations like that? It's interesting where I think, 
I think different people push different tendencies uh, out of, or pull different tendencies out of each other. Mm-hmm. So I think that in in both of our minds, you know, a great show is a great show. So mm-hmm. you leave the show and you're like, that's what I wanted it to be. Or like a scene mm-hmm. is a great scene. The same scene is going to seem great to both of us. And the mm-hmm. same scene that feels bad is going to feel bad for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the like little differences and like strengths and weaknesses, I do feel like we push each other into sort of different habits based on like, Oh, I see based on what you're doing, that habit, I'm going to fill in this piece of the scene or, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm doing this habit again. Oh, there you, you're filling in like that space that seems to be missing. So it, it weirdly, I think has started to push me to be a little bit more um, like emotional, raw, uh, like provide that part of the scene uh, and Peter to be a little more like the ground. What are you doing? What's that? Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, keep, you know, so while I think like we both, you know, do an element of both of those things, I mm-hmm. think uh, it's the repetition of playing with the same person, we do start to fall into more of that sort of dynamic, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. The no, like, it makes, yeah. we, weird and grounded. I just joined an indie team. We all met each other through our classes and uh, have chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to do a team together. But that hasn't developed for us yet where we're not you know, because we're so kind of new to each other. Yeah. What advice would you give someone in our situation where we're still trying to decide, like, what's our form? What kind of improv do we want to do? Like, what do we need to have, like, uh, a same, a, like, the same idea of what integrity and improv means? Like, what what do we need to do moving forward? I think you mostly just want to make sure that you all want to get the same thing out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, so whatever that is, uh, as far as just, Hey, I want to, I want to do, uh, this many shows and I want to rehearse this many nights a week. Does that sound right to everybody else? You just want to make sure the commitment level is the same and that everybody's on the same page there. Cause if mm-hmm. otherwise it'll start to feel like this weird, uh, chore for the people that are like, want to do it a little less or a little more just for fun where it's like, Oh my God, we have another rehearsal. What like, why? Uh, and it'll start to feel, um, like people are flaking out for the people that want to be mm-hmm. there more, right? Like we mm-hmm. all agreed to have this rehearsal and so-and-so didn't show up again. What's going on? So I think it's just good to make sure everybody's on the same page as far as uh, what they do want to commit to it and what they, what they want to get out of it. Other than that, I think you can't really force chemistry. It's mostly just yeah. about, um, you know, enjoying each other and sort of always looking for uh what's great about the other people and what we enjoy about the other people. And then if you just play that way with whatever group you're with or whatever team you're playing with, um, you'll start to, at the very least, I think, uh, discover new elements of yourself that are going to be complimentary to playing with them because you're highlighting what you like about them. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of traits do you admire in other performers every performer has their style and their approach and their strengths and weaknesses but what sort of things you admire about other performers wow i i love when performers are able to uh, justify something just just anytime there's like a like unbelievable justification i'm mm. a huge fan of that uh i really like uh when performers are able to just super clearly summarize exactly what's going on in this way that sort of links them to the audience to their scene partners. Like I feel like Branson Reese does that really well. Have you ever seen Branson play? Yes. Yeah. And I actually got um, to be on stage with him once. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I just feel like he does a really good job of if things do start to get uh, bizarre, uh, he'll he'll sort of he can sort of like summarize exactly what's going on in a line in a really cool way that oh, yeah. gets everybody on the same page. Just his his honest read of like, well, of course this is what's happening, uh, and also just the element that he you know says like, of course about whatever it is, and just <laughs> accepting that into the reality. Yeah, um, I love that. I love uh, yeah, I love watching when people treat things that are absurd as though of course of course this is what's happening. This is the world that we live in. Of course. I really like that. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for good object work. Like I can, mm-hmm. I mean, I could watch Lewis Kornfeld mine all day. <laughs> wow. I'm yeah. That's, that. He's, he is pretty yeah. good at, at object work. I don't know if he, I don't know how confident he feels about it, but I, I do like his object <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah. Um, yours is pretty good too. Do you like to perform with 
players who play like you, or uh, do you like more to play with the people who are strong at things that you feel you're weak at? I I think I like to primarily perform with people that I think are stronger and things that I'm I'm weak in. Like I I think a lot of times my favorite improv partners are the people who are uh you know able to sort of ground whatever is happening mm-hmm. and make it, you know, make it real. So the people who are able to say like how could this be real? How could this possibly be real? Okay, this is how. Or and that will sort of check the weirdness as well a little bit because mm-hmm. i the... think i have a tendency to go a little too a little too weird oh yeah, yeah. like <laughs> like i'll be like oh i'm a dragon in an ice cream store this makes perfect sense and it's like well no there are no talking dragons that you're watching too many cartoons grow up you know <laughs> i think one of the things that i have a tough time getting over are my weaknesses if i'm performing with people that i really like and they're making moves that like I feel I'm not good at, then I can get in my head very easily and say, I need to be better at making moves like that. When in reality, I should just be okay with the fact that there are certain things that I am stronger at than other things because someone else will pick up whatever is left off. Yeah. I kind of like to think of it just sort of like a, a puzzle or, or like making a meal, you know, where it's mm-hmm. sort of like you're, you're watching a scene from the outside or, or on your team and you're thinking to yourself, like, do I enjoy this? And what would make me enjoy it more? Or what do I feel like maybe it could use? Mm-hmm. And then uh, if there's something that you feel like it could use or something that would make you enjoy it more, you can come in and, and give that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whatever it is that that is, uh, I think that's a nice way to think about it rather than like, oh, it needs this, but I'm not good at this. It's just sort of like, it needs this. I'm going to go do this. And then you kind of do it because you have to. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I get in my head pretty easily. So to a certain degree, I just need to not be in my head. But um, I think I started. What kinds in- of things do you, when you're in your head, what kinds of things do you usually um, hear? Like, what's your voice mm. saying to you usually? Oh, that's a good question. Um oh, like, I should have realized that, or I should have picked up on that, or I should be uh, adding something to the scene that gives it some sort of clarity. Um, and uh, and then sometimes I, I just have tunnel vision for a particular thing, like, oh, what's the second beat version of this? Or What's the what's the game I can play with this? And I'm just like so focused on that that I'm not picking up on other things. So it's like a listening issue in those situations. But um, when I'm just straight up being hard on myself, it's just a matter of admiring that someone else can do something. And it's like, well, I can't do that. And I'm probably messing up the show for them. <laughs> you know, it's more like that. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah, I know that uh, that stream of thought very well. Um, I did start to get out of my head out of, uh, of that a little bit, just because, um, I realized a couple few years ago that when you're on a team with people, it's kind of like a basketball team. You have the point guard, you have the shooting guard, you know, you have these different positions and you have your position to play. And that's, it's okay if you're the guard and you're not the center, you know, like let them be the center and you be the guard and that's okay. Yeah. And um, one thing I also love about the the basketball metaphor mm-hmm. is whatever position you are, everyone's technically doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody's dribbling, passing, and shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not a goalie who's wearing a you know mask with a bigger stick. There's not a pitcher. <laughs> right. There's not a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if you are like, okay, I'm going to be the point guard. I'm going to set up this center. There's still going to be moments in the game where it's like, oh, that lane is open. Maybe I'll be the center now. So it's always mm-hmm. sort of just looking at, yeah, the scene as a whole and thinking like, what does this need? What do we have? Mm-hmm. And uh, in a way, if you can almost sort of be like, it's, it's not about them doing great things and me doing great things. It's about great things happening. So if they're mm-hmm. happening, how can I keep them happening? And if they're not happening, uh, looking for what is it that we don't know? Do we yeah. not know where we are? Do we not know who we are? Do we want to know why? Do we need a little more specificity here? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, 
if you're thinking of it more like that, because otherwise, if it's the like, um, oh, I'm going to mess this up for them. Oh, that's, oh no. That'd be <laughs> yeah. like a basketball team where it's like you, you pass the ball to the center and then run off the court and watch. And you're like, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, like sometimes uh, the thing people need is just to like respond, just sit there and even just take it all in with your body and your face. Yeah. Like if the other person's like monologuing, maybe they just need the sounding board to link them with the the rest of the audience um but yeah sort of that just sort of like thinking of it less as what am i doing and what is my scene partner doing and more mm -hmm. sort of like what is there yeah like the scene absolutely goal. yeah and being present too because like it doesn't help like if, to stick with the basketball metaphor if a player's like oh i just screwed up that play a few plays ago then they're not present enough to perform what they need to perform in that moment and uh, yeah. they they don't you know don't distract yourself from like beating yourself up from some play that's we're already way past at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I missed that free throw. That was in the first quarter. Like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's like you got a you got a job right now. <laughs> like, don't worry yeah. about that right now. Um, yeah, and it's also like you know how can the team win? You know, yeah. it's not about like how can I win or. I want them to win. Like it's our team. Like let's uh, like, how can we all do well right now? Yeah. The other thing that I, you know, I sometimes struggle with that feels related to this too, is after a show, I will usually be beating myself up about X, Y, and Z, you know, like, Oh, mm -hmm. I should have done that. I missed that. That would have made it the perfect show. Oh no. You know, whatever <laughs> yeah. those things you're beating yourself up about. And, uh, it's the hardest thing, but whenever, you know, whenever I've seen it in people where I coach the team, I'm like, you have to stop doing this. This makes the experience worse for everyone else. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it makes people feel like you're judging them because people are always, I feel like nervous about themselves. So if you, you know, leave a situation like, oh, I sh should have done that. People could even read it as, oh, you hated what I did, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. and it's, so it's the trickiest thing is to just be like, okay, the show happened, it's over, and now move on to the next show mm -hmm. uh, or the next thing. And it's so it's like, it's fine to reflect on what happened in a show or if there was a moment you didn't like to be like, oh, so I guess it was because uh, I should have done that. All right, maybe mm -hmm. I should tweak that improv muscle in rehearsal a little bit, mm -hmm. like do some drills. Mm -hmm. uh, cause we're never going to do that show again. And nobody wants us to do that show again. We're going right. to do a new show. It's going to be different. Right. Um, the more you just sort of like let it go. Mm -hmm. I find is the best, but yeah, it's, it's hard though. It's really hard. You do you still struggle with, uh, that sort of thing that letting it go. Uh, a little bit. I feel like, um, I will oftentimes sort of beat myself up about one show until the next one happens. Mm. It's sort of like a show by show. Mm. basis i'm i'm better than i used to be uh or I, I just need to like give myself a second to be like that was that was good good things happened and now it's over that's one of the things that's kind of like bonkers to me <laughs> about you because <laughs> um you're like in and every listener knows whenever i have magnet people on or talk about magnet people i'm like so fanboying about it but like genuinely so many great performers coming out of there and you're one of the more popular people in in the city and uh and you're so established at improv that it's hard to imagine you feeling like down about how a show went or that you felt like you made a mistake even or like the first time we had a a discussion in that class afterwards i asked you i said that i saw you and thought it was really great how you weaved all these things together and I just don't know how you keep up with everything. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like your, your answer is still just like, yeah, I'm just figuring this out as I go along. So it's just interesting. I mean, it shows that it's it shows that you're a good dude and you, know, you have humility, but also that you have an approach uh, of continuously learning. So it makes me want to know, like, for someone who's been doing improv as long as you've been doing it and as established you are in the community here, uh, how, how do you keep yourself challenged and do you still have like long-term goals? Oh, sure. Well, uh, I guess I think about 
this is this is probably going to be super nerdy, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess I think about improv. I'm trying at least to think about improv as a whole and sort of my relationship with it mm-hmm. the same way I think about myself within a scene, which is sort of asking myself what's fun and how could I make this more fun. Mm. So as far as, uh, you know, continuing to challenge myself, I feel like uh, I'm always wanting to like think of a new form that would be fun and you know that comes and goes a little bit but also just thinking like uh uh what's exciting to me about improv right now how can Mm -hmm. i see more of that how can i do more of that how can i pull that out of uh people more And, and so that that keeps it sort of fun and interesting uh like i i don't like to do the same level four more than probably three or four times or mm-hmm. else I'll be like, eh, something new, something new. I just, you know, <laughs> to keep it fresh. Keep it fresh and, yeah. uh, and I also, yeah, I just feel like I do have so much more to learn. Uh, you know, I just, it's, uh, it's such a crazy art form where every, every time you perform with a different person, it's a whole nother universe. Yeah. So I think there's, um, and every, yeah. And every time I see, new people perform i feel like i kind of learn something new from each of them even Mm -hmm. if it's just sort of like how they behave or how they seem to approach it and what they seem to be scared of or Mm -hmm. what they seem to be excited about so yeah i mean i i'm definitely figuring it out (laughs) yeah one step at a time (laughs) one step at a time (laughs) yeah i guess there are, are always things as we like continue to change as people uh if you're performing with somebody over time or a group of people they're going to be new things to sort of discover yeah so you are and you'll always find, sort you'll, of changing yeah and you'll find old habits that you're like oh whoa yeah i haven't done this in a while oh i should mm. kind of start to push that muscle a little bit mm. and, oh man yeah i've really fallen into this i need to break out and kind of go back to what i did before a little bit too yeah so mm-hmm. it's sort of to me it feels like this almost rolling circle you know where you keep moving forward and then cycle back and move forward and back and yeah it's wild yeah <laughs> i'm wondering too and i and i've sort of alluded this about like how established you are in the in the community here but uh, you know you're kind of a celebrity so to speak for maybe lack of a better term uh, that's a that's an easy term to make someone wince <laughs> which I, so i'm not trying to make <laughs> yeah you wince, like but, what what letter comes after Z? What would be like below Z list? <laughs> right, like right. the bottom of <laughs> But amongst the magnet community, I mean you're you're you know, a big deal. You're you're the trike being such a popular show and um you being such a, a beloved improviser. Um Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the, you know, there are a lot of students coming through and they're looking up at you as this like you know, like, oh, my gosh, uh, that's Nick Canellis. He's, he's so good. Oh, I don't know if I could talk to him. And then when you talk to you, you're just like the most normal, everyday guy. And, uh, and I was talking to some people about this, too, of like what it must be like to sort of have the status that someone like you or Peter or Ilana or just different people in the, in the magnet community have. But, like, you know, you when you're not in that community we're not with the magnet people you're just like another person walking around you know like you're just another person on the sidewalk passing them on the street um and that's what it's like talking to you he's like you know just a normal guy i know but is it for you are you experiencing anything different uh, because of that status that you have like are you noticing anything that is and what's that like if you do notice some different i guess vibe people give you um, oh man, uh, I'm going to be improv nerdy again <laughs> and say, uh, I feel like, uh, status in different situations is exactly the same as status within an improv scene where mm-hmm. it's, it's never, it's never what you are. Mm-hmm. It's always how you are. Mm. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and that also kind of changes or is interesting based on the circumstance. So, you know, if you're teaching a class, you might have higher status within that class, just like for that room in that situation mm-hmm. in that, you know, it's your job to teach about this thing that you have experience and knowledge in, uh, and everybody's going to be 
watching you while you do that. And you know, you assume that they won't be sort of talking amongst themselves while you're mm-hmm. teaching it. So that's like, okay, I feel like I have high status here. But then there's other situations where it's like you're having a conversation with another person just one-on-one and you, you know, should have the same status, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're just having a conversation. So we should uh, be on the same page here. Or like situations where you're getting chewed at by your boss and maybe you want to be a little bit like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I will. I'm low status here. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's always just sort of how. So I, uh, I guess as far as have I noticed anything regarding like, oh, this feels weird. Um, sometimes like right after a show is over, if you're hanging out with a the group, there's like moments in the conversation where you, you kind of um, – like just it just feels like everybody's like looking at you still because I think that's mm. like the start of the, you know, this if if it's coming right out of a show where like you just performed and people were watching and then you go like mm-hmm. hang out sometimes depending on how familiar you are with each other it's like it still feels a little bit like oh I'm I'm half sort of on or in show mode mm-hmm. and other people are half sort of like still in audience mode or something yeah uh, if that makes sense. So that, no, that that'd makes be the sense. only time yeah. I feel like that that's the only time I feel sort of like weirdness. And I guess that mm-hmm. sometimes like coming out of like right after teaching a class, I feel like I'm talking too much because it's sort of mm-hmm. getting out of that mode of, oh, I just taught a class. So now blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. right. Like <laughs> Peter runs away. <laughs> like Peter, oh. <laughs> he's gone. Like he'll, he'll do a bunch of talking, answering questions. And then when it's like, okay, it's time to go. Um, yeah. And he's just like, bye. And then he just like is gone. We don't see where he went <laughs> like two seconds <laughs> yeah. later. Um, no, but I know that totally makes, <laughs> it totally yeah. makes sense what you're saying though, about like, uh, when you're hanging out, it's sort of like after a play and then the actors in the play are, uh, they come out to the lobby just to like meet and greet essentially. And they're still in yeah. their makeup and they're still in the costume sometimes. And so it's this sort of, it still kind of has that aura of you're the person from the show. Oh my gosh, you're so great. Let me take a pic. And it's sort of more accepted in that moment because that's what that moment is for. It's the lobby of the theater. And that's why they came yeah. out is because it was to sort of say like, thank you for coming out. Um, but when you're just hanging out after the show in the bar, <laughs> that's... That that's a weird moment for there to be some residual effects of the show there. Yeah, I do remember one really weird moment hanging out at a bar after uh, after a class show where a student was sort of asking me uh, advice on something, basically mm-hmm. like life advice, and I was just I just stopped for a second and thought to myself, "Wait a minute, no, no, no! This person asking me advice is like." they like own a couple buildings. They're like a millionaire, you know, they're like Mm -hmm. doing very well for themselves, like in the real world, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and I am an improv teacher (laughs) and I wanted to be like, let's like stop for a second. You should be giving me life advice because (laughs) you you could like (laughs) pay my yearly salary with like the snap of your fingers, you know, like that, that weird sort of, and obviously like, I don't think that life is all about, you know, money or anything you know but uh right right I but, just it, but i do weird like thing as far as like yeah there's a, a an assumed status thing when someone's done so well that they're a millionaire <laughs> you know like you know it's kind of like well yeah. why why would i be giving you advice um <laughs> right like what is this what is this dynamic <laughs> right 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 yeah no that's interesting it's interesting <laughs> it, they say that uh i can't remember my I can't remember the name of the book. My grandma was telling me about it once, but she was saying that there's a a study that they wrote a whole book about where when people go back to their high school reunions, they Mm. all behave exactly the same way. No, that's true. Around each other that they did in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I hated uh, that. That's why I hated my 10 year reunion. (laughs) It was like they were in high school treating me like I was just a dweeb when I felt at the time like that was unfair and then as an adult, it's like, all right, you have to assume I'm not now. Oh, you're still going to treat me like a dweeb? All right, well, you're just jerks? All right, well, just bye forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it wasn't all of them that True were bit. jerks. I just mean like, you know, that is that was the dynamic because anyone who felt they could talk down to me in high school, they just did that 
10 years later in our late 20s. And it was like, well, what? What? <laughs> you, I assumed so you weird. became a better person, <laughs> but you didn't. I assumed Guess not. you would assume I had grown a little too, and you didn't do that either. <laughs> it's, it was very strange. But I wonder what that book is, because I'd probably be interested in that. It's kind of con- comforting to know someone else had that observation. Yeah, there was, a, a I think, a study about it even, yeah. We'll never know because we'll I'll know. never Google Maybe it. it. <laughs> Maybe a listener. Sadly, my grandma has my grandma passed, so I can't mm. call her and ask. Someone <laughs> may who listening may uh, may know. Um, before True. we run out of yeah yeah, before we run out of time, I want to ask about Story Pirates. Um, oh so, sure. So did you did you mentioned you started that with Peter right, or is that something that you're helping with? Like, what is your involvement? Uh, with helping. That? Oh mm-hmm. yeah, no. Uh, it was it was established before that, um, mm-hmm. before I moved here. But it it actually it uh, the idea of it came out of a, a similar group that exists at Northwestern called Griffin's Tale, mm-hmm. and then uh, some people graduated, moved to New York, and decided to start uh, a company that did sort of the same thing mm-hmm. here in New York City called Story Pirates, which is going into schools doing creative writing workshops and adapting the stories um, that the kids write to be sketches and songs uh, with the mission of, you know, hopefully inspiring them to feel good about their ideas and, and Mm -hmm. want to uh, keep writing, to get excited about writing. Um, So yeah, I moved here and then uh, got cast in the the story pirates and, um, and then helped the, the thing I did sort of help to, bring into story parts was the create a story which is um sort of the the improv element mm-hmm. of it where basically for the live shows we'll start a story and then there'll be a moderator who will freeze it and then ask kids in the audience what happens next or who comes out next so it's sort of the same process of getting them excited about uh you know oh like seeing our ideas in action and uh you know, being inspired to create. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's sort of boiling it down to that moment of like, freeze, what happens next? Kids idea. They see adults say, yes, that idea is amazing. We're acting it out. And then they're like, cool. My ideas are good. I feel confident. Nice. <laughs> if that makes sense. That's, that's really yeah. nice. No, I, I had a similar experience of that in like second grade where it was like, I wrote something and then we performed it for the class. Like we all wrote something and then performed it for the class. And I read mine and had this nice response from the crowd, the crowd, the students. And um, (laughs) I have personal experience knowing how that can really boost self-esteem. And so it's a really great thing that exists. And I wish um, I had more opportunities to have done that at the time. And I think Story Pirates is that thing that gives you more of that opportunity to, to do that. That's cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the group. They do good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Yes, really great stuff. We're now at the end of the episode, unfortunately, uh, but it's a good time to wind down with something that we could uh, create together. We've had uh, such an interesting conversation. I'm not sure what is what the thing should be i feel like uh wanting to ask for more advice but i i first want to see if you have an idea of something that maybe we could do together based on what we've been talking about uh hmm uh let's see you could have a conversation with yourself like in your head maybe oh about i don't like, know could you, could you do yeah or could you do a scene i'm trying to think yeah what would be a good uh good exercise or, or like to create something where you're you're having a conversation with the voice in your head like that one that's telling me oh you should have done this or yeah uh, yeah okay i know i know you do you do a scene by yourself and i'll be i'll just be a, a new voice in your head just to okay. see what that's like <laughs> so you're doing a one-man scene and i'll be your voice okay. in your head saying saying things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily say to yourself okay and I'm, but okay. I am more than one character, or am I just one person talking? Up to you. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, can I get a suggestion of anything at all? Yeah, your suggestion is stuck in an elevator. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, uh, I thought this was only something that happened in like uh, movies. I, 
Uh, oh yeah, do they do they have a phone in here? Do, can you call? A- oh, nice, nice, nice way to establish that there's two characters right away. I could tell immediately. Good job. Um. Ooh, do they have a phone? Good stuff. Looking around for the environment. Let's nice. See. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's maybe this panel. Yeah, there's a like a red phone in here. Ooh, okay, nice let's... detail. We're exploring the environment. Good stuff. All right, let's let's uh, pick that up and uh... oh, it's already ringing. Uh, yes, we're on the elevator. Uh, we're uh, it's just two of us. Ooh, here. I wonder. I wonder who's on the other side. I wonder who they're talking to. Um, so you're you're just the operator, and a you're not even in this building. Okay. Yes, I sounded. I've answered the question. Yes, and it adds urgency. They're not in the building. It's gonna. We're gonna be here a while. Nice. Um. So how? I. I. I don't. This is just. Uh, we're on Thirty Fourth Street. Um. We're in the Empire State Building. How, you're not in the building. Uh, Great. Stakes said, are high. Now let's find out more about who these people are. Thirty minutes. Okay. All right. Well. Um. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, Felt very believable. And now we have time to dig into these characters. So, yeah, they, I guess you just heard it's going to be like 30 minutes before they get. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to reconcile the fact that I have to be here. I have to be here for 30 minutes. Yeah, oh, my man. gosh. Where does he want to be? Where I'm, does this character want to be? I'm sorry. Like, No, I have somewhere to go. I have I have an, a very important lunch meeting right now. Ooh, I don't have stakes. I don't have cell signal in here. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can like ask that operator to call somebody for you. Who's this lunch meeting with? What's the, who is it? What's the, what's the meeting about? Oh my gosh. I want to know. Uh, well, um, it's a, it's a job offered and they wanted to meet with me and I don't know if it would be a really great look if I had an operator who I don't even know where they are to call them. Who who's the Ooh, this uh, is a fun idea. Who's this the, is fun. Maybe we should explore it right now. Um I mean I do think we should have them call, but who is the meeting with? Can you even say? There we go. We need those specifics. What's the job that will give us a great context? It's with Lauren Michaels. What? Whoa, SNL Probably. Yeah, I'm uh I'm they want me to be the weekend update anchor. And oh, this is man. a very important meeting. Oh wow. I didn't know do I do I recognize you from anywhere? I do stand up and uh I but I did a lot of improv in the, the Magnet Theater. Um I don't know if you would have seen I I've done some commercials. Uh maybe Oh amazing, this them. feels very real, very honest. Now I just want to know who's this other character? Who's he been talking to this whole time? What's his oh. deal? Wow, I'm just uh I was just meeting my friend here for lunch. Um <laughs> this is wild. I, I I kind of just moved here a week ago and uh my friend uh Steven works here, so that's do you know him by any chance? No, I don't know Steven. Oh, okay. Um, nice. Feels like a fun low-stakes counter. There, they could not be in different boats on the elevator. Tell them about Steven. Listen, uh, I, we're going to get you to that meeting, okay? Like, um, uh, I've seen in a lot of movies, like, people crawl through the, the elevator shaft. Is that a possibility? That um, sounds real dangerous. <laughs> I don't know about Sounds real that. dangerous and real fun. How could we possibly show that? What would be the next step into making that happen? Well, it's usually just right up here, this little, like, there's something that would lift right here, and, uh, oh, crap, it actually opens. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I have a bad feeling about How this, gonna... but, uh, you know what? It's SNL, baby. <laughs> and the <scene>. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, great. I like that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so you were saying uh, a lot of positive things uh, about what I had done. And then when it was um, like, oh, we need some more details. It wasn't like what I normally do in my head, which is like, why aren't you providing this? Or uh, why don't you have any other ideas? <laughs> like It's usually something <laughs> negative in my head. But you were doing it like... Okay, yeah. now let's find out about this person. Like it's, it's like, 
always interested in what's happening. Is that the trick? It's just like always being interested in the moment and like, what else can we know about this? That's where I'm at right now. Mm. Or that's what I'm trying to do in my head is sort of being like, okay, well, what's, what's exciting and how do we learn more and how do we follow that? But, you know, answering ourselves. Like if mm-hmm. I was, you know, within the scene, I wouldn't want to be like, ooh, tell me about Steve. I'd want to then <laughs> right. like, you know, tell you about Steve, obviously. But right. in the head, it's like, those are the questions we want to ask ourselves because then they propel us forward. And, um, and if we're trying to do it with a more positive spin, usually the audience can smell that too. If we're mm-hmm. sort of responding to ourselves like, uh, uh, ooh, I should figure this out. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me tiptoe into it. The audience will feel that. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like a. it's that that gets to be more like I'm watching improvisers improvise as opposed to I'm watching a story unfold. Yeah. You kind of you feel their moves more. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, impressive. Right. Good job. Right. Nice context. Right. And it's no longer about the authenticity of performance at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And those little breaks and mistakes are, you know, where a lot of the fun stuff happens i feel like too so oh for sure it yeah. is like what yeah 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 I, you want yeah. uh yeah i mean i think you you want it to feel like a ride for the audience so you also want it to feel like a ride for yourself cool well that's really good advice thanks so much for being here wow thanks so much for having me and you said so many nice things that's very nice thank you <laughs> i feel great <laughs> <laughs> there it is nick canales ladies and gentlemen and gems I hope you enjoyed that chat. I do feel like I barely scratched the surface with what we could learn from him, so we'll have to try and get him on a second time. And I know I've said that before about a couple of people, and they haven't been on a second time, but that's only because I never asked them. I should do that. I should actually reschedule a couple of people. It'd be a lot of fun. If you want to know more about Story Pirates, then check out the link in the bio. I've also included a link to the Lexus commercial that I mentioned earlier in the episode. And also, be on the lookout for the bracket I mentioned in last week's episode. It's May Madness, everybody. I've whittled down 64 comedy duos from over 100 to create an NCAA-like bracket. It's going to be very controversial because a couple of duos won't make it and people will complain about it. Maybe I'll have to do like a second bracket, like an NIT bracket, just to appease everyone. Anyway, you'll have this bracket to fill out and share with us, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. That's coming in a couple of days. We'll post it on thereitispod.com and announce it on Twitter and Facebook at thereitispod. Be sure to follow us so you can keep up. You can follow me as well at Jason Farr Jokes on Twitter and at Jason Farr Picks on Instagram. That's it for today's episode. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Now listen, would someone who can be so mean say that? Psychic readings. <laughs> Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. <laughs> <laughs>